Hi everyone, just trying to go live. Yes, start that one. Ah, mm. oh, oh, there we go. We're live. Okay, great. I'm live on Instagram and Facebook at the same time for the first time ever. So, a lot of you have been asking me questions and have been wanting to know what the hell is Hannah up to now, Hannah or Hadra, whichever name you want to call me. Like, what the hell is that girl up to now? Well, I have highly pivoted my, I would say, line of business from podcasting to coaching. And I am actually working on an entire coaching program based on multicultural communications. And I want to set the foundation to who my idol client is, who I would love to work with, who I am, what I do, and why I am so passionate about what I am doing. So that is the tone of these lives. I'm going to be going live every single day for about 10 days to break it down to you in small little lives so you don't have to be with me, you know, for like 20 minute lives. No, nope, we're not doing that. I'm not actually sure how long this will take today, but it's not going to be that long. I'm going to start setting the foundation with who I am and what I do. Um, well, actually, just today, I'm going to just focus on who I am today. So let's just bring that on. How fancy is this? <laughs> Look at me sharing my screen. So yes, how my story started. And we are going to go all the way back to teeny tiny Hannah, baby Hannah. Let's see. Baby Hannah. Oh, there she is. <laughs> yeah. So I was born with all these labels you know i was born with the label of muslim female south african and indian and that is teeny tiny boppy hannah in the corner how cute is how cute am i right and yes so i think we are all born with some labels or the other right and that's kind of how we live our lives kind of been put into boxes I would love you to go back and think what box were you put on put in when you were born what were your labels and how do they manifest in your life right now the reason i mention my labels is because my labels ended up causing me a lot of pain with my own self-identity they started putting me into very limited boxes of who i should be so going to the next slide Ah, look at that. Aren't all these pictures like super cute? So I was raised, sorry, I'm just trying to get a good view here. I was raised as a Muslim woman. And yep, these labels, they shaped my, my former years. And they formed a lot of expectations of who I should be. So let's go back to these labels again. Okay. So I said I was labeled as a Muslim. Now, that alone comes with a lot of expectations. Of course, it's so dependent on which family you're born into, how religious they are, what type of religion they are serving. There's so many elements to it. But the specific Muslim family I was born into had a lot of expectations on a young Muslim woman. So as you can see in this picture, 
Ta-da. I had to wear the hijab at grade one level when I was going to school. I went to a Muslim school and they expected us to wear the hijab. And then you can see the other picture where I am just like my fabulous self, um, no hijab, just, I think I was even wearing like teeny tiny shorts, which I wore a lot as a kid, kind of wearing them right now too, just FYI. <laughs> and yeah, so those are some of the expectations I, I was uh, raised with. And let's go back again and keep doing this. So Muslim, female, oh my God. If you're watching this and you're female, you know what I mean. Being a female alone and in the times that we were living back then or less progressive times just had so many attachments to it. Uh, you know, a lot of you guys know that I got married at the age of 18, which was an expectation of me being well, Muslim, female and Indian of heritage. Those, those labels were all attached to me getting married early. In fact, I'm supposed to be, uh, I'm 33 years old now. And according to my culture back home, I'm supposed to have like four kids right now. <laughs> so yes, that's just a little bit about setting the foundation about the boxes and the labels I grew up with. Now, these expectations, they put me in such a rigid box that I started to get a an identity crisis. I started fighting against them, especially in my teenage years. And I, I, I know that for a long time in my life, I hated wearing um, the hijab. It just didn't, didn't go with, you know, my philosophy for life. It didn't, um, you know, I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel pretty. And the hijab didn't make me feel all those things. And I can appreciate really well that it would make some people feel that way. Uh, you know, but it didn't work for me. I hated it. Strong word, but I did. And then there was a period in my life where I absolutely had to wear it. And again, putting on this hijab comes with its own expectations as well. So I'll tell you a short story about that. Um, when I was married into my um, first marriage and I was wearing the hijab, I... Um, I remember when I came back to visit my family and I had short opportunities to not wear the hijab and just feel free, I would take it. And then I I was told that the family is um, very disappointed in me for doing that because they said I'm disrespecting my in-laws. So the choice was not mine whether wherever I was. I didn't I wouldn't even get that 50 seconds of freedom because the expectation was I was a married woman and I should wear that thing anyways. So yeah, tough, tough stuff, I guess. Um, but why am I telling you all this? Haha, <laughs> why am I telling you all this? I mean, I tell you guys my story all the time. What the hell does that have to do with multicultural communication, right? Well, that is just setting a foundation. I had so many labels attached to me growing up. And each label comes with not just expectations from the culture and society um, in that culture, but it's got external expectations as well. So for example, because of the color of my skin, um, society expects me to be, you know, to fit into certain boxes. So there's only certain religions that I would fit into depending on where in the world I'm living. So for example, in the UK, they would assume because I'm brown, I'm Muslim. A lot of people assume because I'm brown, I'm Pakistani. And this is not the fault of the people making the assumptions. It is one of those things of 
not stepping outside of our box and just being so used to the information and the things we are seeing all the time that our mind instantly makes these connections. So saying that, I would like you, I would like to invite you to look at these three pictures and tell me what comes to your mind as you look at each one of these pictures. I'll just put it big on the screen. Okay. So I don't want you to place any sort of um, judgment on yourself. I don't want you to fight any of your thoughts. I want you to simply just look at each picture and just see what is the first thing that springs to your mind when you see each picture, okay? And this is what I'm getting at. So what I mean is that we, our minds make associations, our minds make up labels, and those labels often come with expectations, whether it is conscious or unconscious. And yes, that leads to our unconscious biases, which is something that I am so passionate about talking about because I set the foundation to say these were my labels when I was born, but a lot of those labels I don't associate with anymore. Of course, I am still South African, but I live in England. I'm still from Indian heritage, but there's a lot from the Indian culture that I do not, you know, I'm, I'm not very rooted in myself. Um, and I'm, I, I definitely identify as female, although I know that, you know, I, I don't have to, but I definitely do. And I do not identify as Muslim anymore. I'm not religious. So, my point here today is to start because i i had this opportunity in my life to leave my boxes many times which i'll get into in the next lives to show you exactly how i left my boxes and what it taught me and how it opened my worldview now i'm coming from a place of privilege here where i was able to have those experiences and to learn the lessons and i want to share that with you I want to share my experiences and my knowledge with you and I want to tie this into communication as well because that is my major uh, that is what I qualified with from university and I'm really passionate about open communications because this is something that saved my own relationships and I want to help you get to a point of being unclear and uncertain and maybe coming from a place of you know, the fear of being offensive, especially when it comes to interacting with people from a different race, a different culture. So I want to take you from that fear and uncertainty to a point of clarity and understanding in the way you communicate with diverse people. Um, I'm especially looking for people out there who have have people who are married into their family from a different culture that they may be struggling to communicate with. Um, they're forming anxieties when it comes to communicating with these people. Um, and they, you know, you might be feeling stressed, you might be feeling um, an anxious and anxiety, you might be unsure of when you are saying something offensive and that keeps you on edge all the time and this is such a huge conversation to carry on so like i said we're going to do several small lives here to keep keep the conversation going but again i want to bring you back to a little action step i want you to really think about the labels that you were born with what were they and how did that shape who you are today how many of those labels do you still associate with and what do you associate with these labels as well. Uh, so yeah, that's your take home for today. And again, I'll be doing this every day for the next few days. And 
finally, again, this conversation is huge and I want to keep it going. So if you are someone who identifies as someone that I can work with, so maybe you have someone who married into your family from a different culture. Uh, maybe you are starting a new relationship with someone from a different culture and you are on edge a little bit because of, you know, because maybe you've just never had the opportunity to interact with people who are different from you. Or maybe you even your friendship group started expanding and you just want to really dive deep into proper communication patterns, especially related to communication with diversity. Um, yes, so if you want to join my, my Facebook group, which is called Champagne, Wine and a Glass of Multicultural Communication, the link is in the description below. Please go ahead and join it. If you are listening on Instagram, then the link is in my bio. Um, so yeah, go ahead and join that group. It is public right now, but we are going private in a few days just because I want it to be a very safe space to discuss such a delicate topic. It is a place of understanding, love, affirmations and transformations. So um, really, it's a very unique place that I've created and I want to see, I want to see you there. If you are the right person for it, I want to see you there. I want to connect with you and I would love to I would love to learn about you as much as I can teach you. You can teach me as well. So thanks for listening today. And I'll be doing this again tomorrow with part two, which is covering my first marriage. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. I promised you a part two of these lives. And trust me, I'm going to be going live every single day. So I'm here. <laughs> I'm committed. And yes, today we are going to be talking about my second, my, no, my first marriage. Losing count here, man. But yeah, no, we're talking about my, fir my first marriage day. And I'm a bit like OTT with the dress up today because you know what? It's Saturday night and I'm going out, out for like the first time in ages, actually. I'm so excited. <laughs> But yes, back on topic, back on topic. I am talking about perspective today or my second, ma my first marriage. So let's just bring this up. Ta-da. There we go. We got it. So I'm going to tackle my first marriage about and, and kind of bring in the topic of perspective here because it is so relevant. Seriously, so relevant. So let's dive, let's dig in. Let's think about perspective for a minute. Now, I think so many of us are so familiar with the famous black and gold dress, which the image is not here. Okay, weird. Um, you know, the we had the dress where it was, people looked at it and they either saw blue or they saw gold. Um, I don't remember what I saw originally when I saw the picture. I think I saw gold. So just let me know in the comments what it was that you saw. But that image was a great example of perspective. It, it is said that we live with so many different realities in this world. Meaning that, like, think about it. Have you ever been to a movie with someone, right? And you come out of it and they have a completely different opinion of what we just saw. And you're like, wait, did we just watch the same movie? That was kind of my experience of going to watch um, the Book of Mormon with my husband, which not the movie, the 
play, which I freaking love. Have you seen it? It's amazing. You should see it. But yeah, The Book of Mormon, I went to watch it with my husband and one of my friends. We also went to the theater together. And my friend and I, we absolutely loved it. And I was like dying. I loved it so much because it's so like relevant to my life. And <laughs> we always tease my husband about this, but he was like, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just different perspective now my worldview connected to the book of mormon so much because it was so relevant to my life and i just absolutely loved um the message in it whereas it was quite irrelevant to my husband's experience so we're talking about perspective so let's dive into what you really want right you want to hear about my first marriage <laughs> and um so ask me, was it arranged? And y'all, look at that picture. Like, this is me today. And that was me at the age of 18, getting married. I always look at this picture and I'm like, child bride alert. I was a child, obviously. But yeah, it was not an arranged marriage. It was a complicated um, situation, but it was not a an arranged marriage. It was my decision. Um, I was speaking to my ex before we got married. Not for that long, to be honest. Um, I can't remember. I think we were speaking for about six months, maybe, uh, uh, before we actually decided to get married. And once we decided to get married, it happened um, within two because of um, the whole religious element behind it. So our families didn't want us dating. So they wanted us to just like be married quickly. So yeah, I got married within two weeks. Imagine that. Imagine planning an entire wedding in two weeks. It was. It was so stressful. I can go on and on about my first, but what I want to talk to you about actually is how I felt in the beginning. So I'm sorry, I don't know why this picture not loading. This is super weird. Um, but yeah, let let's just let's just concentrate on my words. Then I'm gonna switch this off for a bit and just concentrate on me. So. How I felt in the beginning of marriage. Um, and I want to give some context to the situation that I was thrown into at the beginning of my marriage. So, firstly, I want you to think about um, when you were 18 years old. Okay, what did that be like for you? What were you doing at the age of 18? What uh, emotions do you remember feeling at that time? Do you think you were a grown-up capable of big life decisions like marriage at the age of 18. I know I wasn't, for sure. And yes, yeah, so this was an 18-year-old me married uh, into a very different culture from mine. Now, for those of you who watched the first live or have been following me or who know me personally, I am South African of Indian heritage. I am third-generation or fourth generation Indian, I, I I lose count. I keep saying that, but I think it's third generation. Pretty sure. And um, my ex was first in Pakistani, uh, living in South Africa. So he connected a lot more with his uh, roots heritage than I did with mine. And I think, like for the most part, the the Indian and Pakistani show can be very similar. However, I grew up in a very modern, westernized world. My mom was a working woman, religious, super religious, but she was she was educated. She had a degree in psychology, has a degree in psychology, um, opened her own school, 
all she was very progressive modern muslim woman she would hate me for this but she was and then i got married into a culture women were not allowed to work um i i was allowed to study but it was debatable about what i would do with my studies afterwards. and there were very much a lot of limitations put on me in this world and i remember feeling like an alien in the land you know because i didn't relate to a lot of the things that were going on in that specific um culture you know i didn't uh when i grew up i saw i saw women around me being very independent yes i did we did have housewives in our family but even the housewives would um they were quite outspoken they were quite um dynamic and they they had a mind and a world of their, of their own and um they would go to the business and help out they would have a say in things and here i was thrown into a situation where it was um multi men making the rules for the women which was really odd to me and i didn't feel like i fitted into that situation i also didn't relate to being a pakistani bride um or daughter-in-law so just like rough idea of what my day looked like back then uh, or was supposed to look like because i was not the best at keeping up to what i was supposed to do <laughs> um but my day looked like i would have to wake up in the morning and make my husband breakfast shall be quite honest i didn't really do much of um and then we used to take turns to cook lunch um as the woman of the house and we also used to take turns to cook dinner but the woman had to always be in the kitchen helping out no matter whose main turn it was you had to be in the kitchen you had to help out and i lived in a house that was full of other people um so it was like the the whole family living under one roof basically so all of his brothers his sister uh, his brother's wife um, their kids all living under one roof and i had to wear my hijab in the house because um i had to cover up from my brother-in-laws <laughs> because my hair was like too sexy for them <laughs> it's like it was the culture that was odd to me as well because i wasn't used to that um covering up in your own home situation and made it it made me kind of feel like it wasn't my home for most of the part because i felt like the only home i had was the room where i could like just let loose and be myself and the rest of it was like somebody else's territory basically and yeah that was how i felt and going on to the next one which is what did i end up doing okay so what did i end up doing i ended up fighting against the culture for most of the marriage and that didn't work um it didn't work for a lot of reasons and it taught me a lot of life lessons um so again i'm going to go back to the fact that i got married at the age of 18 and one thing i always say to people is when you get married at such a young age at the age of 18 there's two things that can happen with your partner you could grow up together or you could grow up separately and for me it was definitely that we grew up very separately because um i'm a very ambitious woman and i always had this idea that there were big things for me to do in this world and i always felt limited with what i allowed to do within this marriage and ex had other ideas he was very content with his life which is perfectly fine you know of course if you're content with your life yay for you that's just a different way a different perspective uh, he had different ideas of what a wife should be 
and I had different ideas of what a husband should be. And we were married for seven years, seven years. The last three, not so great. And eventually we parted ways respectfully because we both realized that we wanted different things from a partner and we were both trying to change each other. And when, you, when you're constantly trying to change your partner, there's a major red flag in that situation. So we parted, parted ways. But what I want to really get to is what did I actually learn from this, right? So what did I learn from being in a marriage um, that was just a completely different worldview from the one I grew up in and the one I was used to? Well, firstly, I learned that not everyone is going to see the world as you do. And that's okay. Not everyone needs to agree with your way of living. And that's okay. I also learned that it was it was okay to want different things from other people. You know, going back to that same philosophy that it's it's okay to, you know, just um, you know, just be different, really. Okay, one sec. I'm just gonna try and get my slides to work here. Let's just try it out one more time. So th there's a lot of lessons that come from ending the marriage, but one one other one, just off the top of my head while I'm getting slides to work, um, it it was just that a divorce does not have to be a you know a bitter thing. It does not have to be a thing that was like oh my god, like the end of the world, a bitter thing. For me personally, it was all about taking back what I learned in the situation. There we go. I think it's working now. Let's just have a look there. Mm -mm. What did I learn? So yes, firstly, it was, it's okay to be different. It's good to be different. Uh, that, that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. But if you're in a situation where people make you feel bad about being different, then there's probably some questions and red flags that are going to arise there. And the other things I learned, okay, to have different goals from other people. So, and uh, have like, like, for example, I am a very ambitious person and my ex was a very content person. And that was okay. It just meant that we probably weren't comfortable as a couple. And again, there's nothing with that. A different perspective of life. And the last thing, and I think the most important thing that, this situation taught me is exactly a lot more about who I was and what I wanted out of life. I basically grew up in this marriage. You know, I basically became from the age of 18 to the age of 25, I basically became an adult in this marriage. And it taught me so much about the type of person that I wanted to be in this world. I can honestly say that I left that marriage with such respect for the family and for their way of living. And one important thing was that even though they had a culture that was true to them, each individual in that family had an individual way of representing their culture. And I think that is something we tend to forget. We tend to put everyone into this collective bubble of what we think their culture should be and what we think their culture should mean to them. And everyone has such a different way of, of bringing, of making their culture their own. And that was another really, 
the important thing that I learned in that marriage. So, so sorry, my computer's a bit slow today. But what can actually take away from this situation? I think that it's really important for us to remember that everyone is going to have a different worldview, and that's okay. But we always have to try to take a step back from, from it and see things from other people's perspective, whether we agree with it or not. We need to take what we can from it and leave the rest behind and just you know, acknowledge the individuality within that culture as well. I think that's super important. So don't just look at someone's in a collective identity. Look at the individual identity if you really want to connect with them. Now, there's one thing I want you to take away from this and just like something to think about. I want you to really think about a time in your life that you were, maybe you were different. You know, think about a time in your life where you were in a situation where you felt like what I like to call the other. So you felt alienated. You felt like you were, um, you didn't fit in. I want you to think about what did you do and how did you feel in that situation? Now, once more, this situation and this conversation is so much bigger than us. And I am preparing a lot of um, information on this. And I'd love, if you are interested in this topic, for you to join, my, join me on Champagne Wine and a Glass of Multicultural Communication, where we can continue this conversation in a safe environment. I'm going to get into, as I go along, I'm going to get more into the depths of my philosophy, my framework, and what I have to offer if you are interested in cross-cultural and multicultural communications. But for now, I will leave you with that. And I am going out tonight and I'm going to enjoy my Saturday and I hope you will too. Thanks for tuning in and see you tomorrow. Yes, I will be seeing you every single day. <laughs> Bye.